You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. I'm very, very excited uh, about this new series, and I got to thinking, okay, maybe part of the reason that I'm really excited about this series is because uh, I know we live in a digital age with, with email and with text messages, but uh, I still really like getting snail mail. Does anybody like getting snail mail? I love getting snail mail. I, I, I don't know why. I have always loved getting mail. Uh, I don't know if it's because I grew up way out in the country where we had only, uh, you know, we had only two, UH, uh, two VHF channels. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? No cable, uh, two uh, VHF channels. We were on a party line with three other families that all had teenagers. So I don't know if it's something to do with that, that that was at least a mailbox with, with, with snail mail, gave me some sort of connection with the rest of the world or something. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's something my therapist and I can talk about sometimes, why I enjoy it so much. But I got to admit, even today, I enjoy certain kinds of mail more than I do other kinds of, of snail mail. I mean, I'm sure you're with me on that. Um, I love it when I get cards or letters from friends. Uh, you know, I, I love getting, um, Mary Margaret and I are keeping the magazine industry still alive and fi- vibrant. And we get, I love it when I get some of my favorite magazines. We still get the paper hard copy magazines. But there's certain kinds of mail I don't care for as much, like I got my property tax, our property tax notice uh, this week. And it was like, uh, I didn't, I couldn't live without that one, but uh, I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to, I'm going to pay it. But I certainly got a different reaction from, from my Columbia County property tax notice than I do for my latest issue of Garden and Gun, okay? I, it's, it's a very different experience for me. Now, over the next several weeks, we're gonna be looking at uh, urgent love letters. This is a new series that we're kicking off today, and these are messages from Jesus Christ himself to uh, his church. It's found in the book of Revelation, Uh, And these are letters that Jesus gave through an amazing, spectacular vision uh, to the Apostle Paul, uh, I mean, to the Apostle John, excuse me, uh, back in in, in about 70 years after Jesus left the earth. And and, and it was in the midst of the Roman Empire, uh, seven churches that had expanded, seven churches that were throughout Asia Minor uh, more than 2,000 years ago, seven different distinct churches. And the text of these passages are found in Revelation 2 and 3, and I've encouraged you over the last several weeks to take a look at these. We're going to see very much about the specific things that Jesus is saying to each of these churches and how they relate to us today, how they relate to the church and us individually, because they have a lot to say uh, to us. These letters are ancient, but they still are very relevant to us as we live today in the 21st century, both corporately as a church, but also individually. And I hope you'll see that. Uh, Full disclosure to you this morning, I grew up in a church, uh, I grew up in the church ever since I was a little bitty, bitty kid. My parents always took us to church. Uh, I became a follower of Jesus when I was 11 years old. Um, And uh, I mean, I'm church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the time. Uh, I read my Bible and I still read my Bible. But I got to tell you, I was never a big fan of Revelation, and it is singular Revelation. 
Uh, it's not plural. It's revelation. It was one amazing, spectacular, incredible vision that God gave to, to John, but it was, it was one singular revelation. I was not a big fan of it because the teaching uh, in the church that I grew up with largely, uh, it, it seemed to be very fear-based. I don't know. I always walked away, even as a little kid, uh, it, it just scared me. And it's like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I've, I've received the gift of eternal life, but it just it scared me. And it was all cryptic and weird. And, and teachers typically try to explain every little bit of imagery and, and all in a way to try to predict when Jesus was going to return for his church. And I was young enough, but I had read enough scripture to know that Jesus himself had said, no one knows the time or the place or when I'm going to return, only the Father. So why are we wasting time trying to figure this out on a Sunday night when I could be at home watching the wonderful world of Disney on the one VHF channel? I mean... Again, I, yeah, I'm, all of my examples are just losing you culturally, I, and I, I'm realizing that more and more as I get older and older. I got to come up with some new analogies here. But I, I just, it was fear-based. I didn't like it. It was just like, this is weird, and yet that's your opinion. Someone else could, could have a very different opinion. But uh, I, I just, I, I began enjoying reading Revelation about 15 years ago when I took a very different approach to reading Revelation. When I began to read these amazing, very vivid, very just almost spectacular technicolor kinds of uh, images that, that John is seeing uh, and he is, is sharing, and I began to see them all in the way that they should be seen, and that is through the lens of Jesus Christ as Lord. And he rules and he reigns forevermore. And, and something that I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to, to not just read Revelation 2 and 3 as we go through this series. I would love for you to read the entire book because it's an amazing book. And it's a book that I know and believe the church needs to hear and to receive and, and to really experience. And that's the thing. Revelation is something that we should first seek to experience and not merely interpret that's, that's, a, that's a big thing that I want you to get this morning as you read Revelation. Uh, it is a cosmic pageant. It is an elaborate, colorful spectacle uh, that's accompanied by all kinds of celestial singers and speakers. It, it is like the most incredible musical that you could ever see or hear or experience. It is something, yes, that we want to read with our minds and our hearts and our spirits, but make sure to engage your imagination as you take it along. And, and I, gotta, I gotta put it this way, and, and please don't be offended by this. Um, any, any Christopher Nolan uh, fans, director Christopher Nolan? Uh, yeah, I've got, got a few. Uh, his, his movies, some of his movies I really, really like, and some of them I just don't get, but I love the experience of them, uh, and, and, and sometimes reading Revelation is like that. Just experience it. Let the Holy Spirit show you, show you cool things, but read it, yes, with your mind. Read it with your heart. Read it with your spirit, but don't forget to engage your imagination uh, as, you, as you see the figurative language, the beautiful visions, the symbols that, that God gives to John uh, in this amazing vision. And remember that these symbols in Revelation, they point to what is ultimately undescribable beyond our mere words, our mere human words. Our focus on this series is going to be Revelation 2 and 3, uh, and these are the seven letters 
that, that Jesus gives to John to give to the seven churches. Uh, but again, I want you to read the entire book because we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that our Lord God Almighty reigns. That is the big takeaway. That is the big takeaway from, from Revelation. Because you see, John is, is receiving this vision. He's receiving this vision as he is exiled on the island of Patmos. He has been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and, and the, the, the culture doesn't like it. Uh, Caesar, the religion of the day, does not want to hear that Jesus Christ is Lord. So John finds himself exiled. And, and while they did this to shut John up from sharing the good news, something quite opposite happened. Because in John's exile, he took the time to use uh, that, 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 that alone time, that time of being separated from people for prayer. We've had our own kind of exile, haven't we, over the last many months? How have we, we been using that exile? Because I'm so thankful that John used that exile not to be bitter, not to be fearful, not to be angry, but he used that exile for prayer. And in that prayer, God gave him this amazing vision, uh, a vision of the, the fact that our Lord God Almighty reigns, that it was a situation where there was much oppression happening throughout the church, that early church. There was a, a season where, yes, Caesar was the worship of Caesar. Basically, secularism and humanism was the religion of the day. Does that sound familiar? Yet God gave John this amazing vision, this amazing picture of the fact that our Lord God Almighty reigns, and we as the body of Christ, we need to be reminded of that. We need to remember that. We need to, to hear the, the content of the, the letters that Jesus gave to these seven churches from Asia Minor that are still relevant for us today, not just as a church, but as individuals, as families as well, to take heed to these and to be reminded that our Lord and Savior, he conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. And yes, uh, yesterday, we, we as a nation remembered 20 years ago the horrible attack on our country uh, that, that, that has changed so much. And I was reminded of just the weeks, maybe a few months of, of unity and solidarity that we had as a country. And unfortunately, how short-lived that was. And, and I'm just reminded that, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand, whether it is a home, whether it is a family, whether it is a church, whether it's a country. And my hope and my prayer is that we, uh, as, as followers of Jesus, as part of, 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 of this country, our first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. But God is not random. He has placed us here for a reason, and that we would be people who would take this season and every season of our lives to be people of prayer, be people that would be hard after the heart of God, that we would be people endeavoring to live in allegiance to the kingdom of God so that we as a nation could experience the peace of God, the joy of God, him coming and setting things right. And so this morning, I, I, I want us to look at the first chapter of Revelation before we begin uh, looking at each individual letter that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks in Revelation 2 and 3. We're going to look at 
uh, Revelation 1, because it really paints the picture of who is this letter from? What is the heart that he gives and brings as he shares these letters? Because these letters, they have commendation. Hey, you're doing this well. Some of them have, uh, you're really not doing this well at all. But all of them have an invitation. Hear the voice of the Spirit and a promise of blessing if we are willing to respond to that. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would quiet our hearts, that you would set our hearts and minds and our ears and our full attention on you. We thank you, God, for your love for us. We thank you that you are God Emmanuel, that you are with us, that you love us, that you are for us. And I pray that as we, uh, as we look to this amazing uh, picture, this amazing message, this amazing letter, this revelation that you have extended to your body, that we would hear it and receive it, believe it and live it out. Come Holy Spirit, strengthen your church, empower us to be uh, the body you have called and purposed us to be, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna begin with chapter one. I'm gonna read the whole thing to you, all right? Hang on, here we go. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That's why I'm reading it, folks. Yes, but hang on. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And that seven spirits, that seven, you're going to see the number seven a lot. Uh, it is the, in, in, in scripture, it is the number for perfection, for completeness. This is a, a, a reference to the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. This is who this letter uh, is from, this revelation these letters are from. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father to him. Be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which says, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. 
I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, there are things that, that Jesus outright just describes as he does here. So we see one like the Son of Man standing among the seven lampstands. That's Jesus among his church. And, and we need to take away, first and foremost, that revelation. He, this is from the Almighty One who loves us, who has freed us, and is with us. That is good news for us. That is good news for the whole world. And John needed to hear that then, and, and we need to hear this now, that God is for us. He is with us. Uh, he wants his active rule to be, uh, to be displayed in our lives and around us. He wants us to be engaged with him uh, in his active rule in uh, our world we will have trouble, Jesus says. You will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome uh, the world. And this is what Jesus is reminding John and the early church of. And this is what we need to be reminded of today. He's freed us from the chains of fear and its control in our lives. And it's a reminder that we need to live in the truth, in God's wisdom, in Holy Spirit discernment. Yes to all these things and no to fear that would seek to bind us. We should live free from fear because God's love, he wants to fill us with his love, displacing fear. And with God's holy love, Jesus watches over us. He protects us. He disciplines us. He challenges us as his church. And this is something we're going to be seeing uh, in, in Revelation 2 and 3 and all the seven letters. Again, each one begins with a greeting. Uh, each one has very specific things that relate to the individual church, uh, and, and most of them uh, comes with uh, words of affirmation and praise, except for Laodicea. We'll find out why. And then comes criticism uh, for all the churches, except for Smyrna and Philadelphia. We'll find out why as well. In all of them, there comes a warning, but there also comes an urgent invitation to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Remember, John says, I was, in, uh, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This enabled him to hear and to have this experience of hearing God's voice. And, and, and this is what we are invited to, church. 
Uh, as, as a collective, we are invited to hear God's voice. As individuals, we are invited to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Uh, we need to hear his voice. Revelation that, that John received here that we're reading about, it comes at a very interesting time, uh, a very unique time, but one that also parallels so much of what we are living in today. It comes in the tension of the already and the not yet of God's active rule and reign. Uh, we, we see uh, that in Jesus, the rule and reign of God has come, but it will not come to earth in its fullness until Jesus returns for his church. And then the complete rule and reign of God will be here on earth. The Apostle John is experiencing this tension himself. Remember, he's been sharing the good news of the gospel. He has been helping the church to grow throughout Asia Minor, and he finds himself exiled or imprisoned because of his faithfulness to, to witness and in, in, in against the, the, the growing expansion of the religion of the worship of Caesar. And this is why he finds himself on the Isle of Patmos in exile. But remember in verse 9, he says this, I, John, your brother and companion, and he says this specifically, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. What a weird trio. What a very odd trio, the suffering. And the kingdom, the kingdom, the rule and reign. And remember the, already the, the oxymoronic idea of a, a crucified Messiah. That made, made no sense to the, the first century church. But this idea of a crucified Messiah, but Jesus in his suffering, but yet he brings the kingdom and also patient endurance that we all need, that we will find in Jesus alone. They're ours, but they're not just ours in our own strength, in our own wisdom. They're only ours when we are in Jesus. It's such an odd combination that the kingdom, the sovereign rule, can sit together with suffering and with patient endurance. But yet, this is what was happening with John, because this is what happened with Jesus when he was here on earth. And so it, it happened through him. He won our victory through his suffering, and so must his people. And never forget, though, in the midst of all of this, that our God Almighty reigns forevermore. His reign knows no end, and we have to remember that. So essential in helping us deal with suffering uh, and, and empowering us to be people of God's kingdom and, and strengthening us to be patient uh, with endurance is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is essential for us to, to receive the ongoing encouragement that we can be strengthened to endure, but he also helps to, to receive God's ongoing revelation for our lives. Just as John was receiving this revelation. Now, John uh, was loved by God. I mean, and he was very quick to tell you that in his letter, yeah? He, 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 he loved being Jesus' favorite. He loved, you know, at least in his own mind, right? Uh, and, and all of us, can get, we're, we're God's favorites. He loves us. But God did not love John more than he loves us. And there is revelation that he wants to give us. I have never had a spectacular vision 
like God gave John. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. I, I have not heard God's voice speak to me like, like a rushing river or like a mighty waterfall. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I know that God speaks today, and I know that he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, and we need to have the Holy Spirit filling us enabling us to hear his voice, to recognize what he's doing, empowering us to be the priest and the people of God's kingdom that he's called all of us to, to, to be. With each of the letters, as we go through these over the next several weeks, we're going to be faced with the question, uh, those who have ears, will you hear what the Spirit is saying? And each week as we go through this, we're going to be also sharing ways that we can be hearing God's voice and, and, and listening to his voice. Um, I, I want to just begin by saying that first and foremost, everything that we sense God saying to us, whether it's for our family direction, whether it's on our, our, our own spiritual lives, whether it's just what God's doing around us, it has to line up with, with the truth of God's given word, scripture, the Bible. And that's why we need to be people who regularly read the Bible and, and are, are not just reading it uh, just for a, a habit, but reading it to hear God's voice. This is the spirit-breathed word of God given to us. And, and it, is, it, it is alive, it is active, and we need to be, to be hearing God's word uh, and taking it in every day, a regular diet of God's word. Um, and, and remember in John's vision of Jesus, right here in chapter one in verse 16, uh, he, he describes Jesus and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. Again, a reference to, to Hebrew. And, 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 and the word of God, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We need a constant, steady diet of, of God's word to be people, not just to, to read God's word, but to truly hear it and do it. Let it change us to, to be people who meditate on the word of God and enjoy it. Throughout Revelation, many of the images of Jesus are, are shocking like this one. I mean, to see this, this image of this being with a, with a sword out of his mouth, I mean, that's pretty bizarre. I mean, just really, really strange, could be frightening. Uh, and, and it's important that as we read Revelation, that we keep our focus on Jesus and his, credible, his incredible love and his incredible power and his greatness and the mystery and, and just the, the beyond our imagination aspect of what we see in Revelation. But we need to remember all of this as we come together and, and, and consider Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord God Almighty, who reigns forever, that God's invitation to intimacy with him never diminishes his awesome power. It never diminishes his awesome power and his complete authority in our lives and on the world and throughout the universe. The God who created the world, the God that created the, the heavens and the earth, he is the God who invites us into an intimate relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think that we, we diminish God. We, we make him our, our fuzzy spiritual teddy bear. And there is intimacy that God invites us into only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and I think that's one of the things that makes this invitation to personal intimate relationship with him so amazing 
is that he never stops being the awesome God that he is, the all-powerful God that he is. And we see this in Revelation. I mean, he's scary. I mean, it, at parts. But as he did here with John, John is freaked out through this vision. I mean, he's hearing this sound that is like amazing, this voice, this, this, this a person personified, and, and, and he turns around, and it's this image that blows his mind, and he, he talks about falling as if he's dead. But then the words of Jesus, don't fear, don't fear. So this amazing, awesome God. Uh, it, it's, it reminds me of the, the vision that, that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6. The, the, king, the year King Uzziah died, that, that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And this amazing encounter that he had with the awesome God is all-powerful. It, it, woe is me was, was Isaiah's right response. But then God touched his lips and purified his lips and gave him a mission and an assignment. And he will do the same for us. So he invites us into intimacy with him, but never, ever forget that one of the reasons this invitation is so incredibly amazing is because God never diminishes his power and his authority in doing so. And it's vitally important for us to remember that. It's, it's like the, the, the wonderful writing of C.S. Lewis from The Lion, the, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, pointing to the Christic figure Aslan, the lion, the great lion. And when asked, is Aslan safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's, he is good. He's the king. He is good. He is the king. And it's, re, it's a reminder of that for us, that we, that we, as we read this, that yes, it is like, wow, that's scary. This is my God who loves me and has saved me and he protects me. He is with me. And that is a good thing for us to, the, the, the whole of scripture the importance of embracing all of this together. He is the sacrificial lamb who was slain for the whole world. He is the worthy lamb of God who deserves our worship, our worship and the worship of the whole world. And one day, every tongue, every nation, every tribe will come before him in worship, in adoration. And as we go into this series, as I, I hope that you will spend some time reading Revelation with your mind, your spirit, your heart, and with your imagination to remember. You're going to see the lamb a lot throughout Revelation. The lamb has already overcome. He's already overcome death, hell, and the grave for us. And therefore, those of us who are in Christ, we can also, we can and we will be overcomers. So, so church, Don't despair. Don't lose hope. Be encouraged. Ask God for the patient endurance that he's called us to have. He, is, he wins. He wins. And as a result of us who are in Christ, we win. We know who gets the victory. We deal. We, I live in the same world you're in. I'm not, I'm not sticking my head in the sand I mean, I live in the same world with the same challenges and troubles that, that you live in. That's why I think this series is so timely for us, that we need to hear, to receive, and to live out uh, this word. Blessed are those who read it aloud, and I would encourage you to read it aloud to yourself, to your family. And blessed are those who hear it and receive it and do it. 
And that's what I'm calling, and I know the Holy Spirit's calling us to be and to do as, as we go through this series together. So maybe you've been somewhat in a spiritual exile. How are you using that time? How are you using that time? Is it a time that you've drawn away from people, maybe even drawn away from God, maybe drawn away from the church? And I am not in any way equating God in the church. Um, but I would ask you, has it been a time where you are drawing near to God, that you're endeavoring to, to hear his voice, giving him time and space in, in prayer? Um, I'm really excited. One of the assignments that, that Angela has in her new role here at the church is, is starting new prayer groups. We've got a wonderful Sunday morning intercessory prayer group. We have a, uh, we're going to be revamping our email prayer chain. We're looking forward to starting a lot of different prayer groups. I'm very excited about that because nothing of eternal consequence happens apart from prayer. And so we are called to be a people of prayer, and I'm very excited about uh, what God, how God is already responding to our prayers. And as we take him at his word, as we trust him for what he says he has done and will do and is yet to do, that we will see him do that. One of the things I want us to pray for is our country. The moral fabric, the spiritual well-being of our country. I believe that God will respond to our prayers. He says he will. That's one of his, his promises, that he will respond to the prayers of, of the righteous people. And it's not about our goodness, but it's about God's goodness in us through Jesus Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to challenge, and I, I put myself out there, I can give you all kinds of color commentary about the world around us. Some of it's more spiritual and more godly than others. But what if we gave the majority of that time and energy to prayer? What if it's just, God, let your kingdom come. Bring your rule and reign to our country. Bring your rule and reign to our world. Bring your rule and reign to this community, God. What, what if it begins with that? It's, it doesn't have to be this elaborate prayer. It's just, God, make us, make us the people you want us to be, that you've called and purposed us to be. And I, I believe that, that there are those here this morning that uh, you've never had a, a real powerful encounter like, like John. I, I, I've heard God's voice. I've, I've, I've sensed his leading. I haven't heard his audible voice but I believe that in this series that God wants to, to awaken some things in our, in our senses to hearing his voice and to recognizing what he's doing around us. It's not a question, does God still speak? No, it's not that at all. It's, are we listening? Are we giving the space and time? Uh, are, are, we, are we giving him space and time to speak? Um, because God's not going to scream above the noise. Even this morning, as we worshiped together and we had the quiet time at the end, the thing that I kept hearing was, listen for the whisper. Listen for the whisper. Does that mean that that's the only way God's going to speak? No. I believe he can still speak through incredible, spectacular visions uh, just like this. And maybe he will for you. Maybe he will for me. But for us to hear the Spirit's voice to make room, to quiet ourselves. For John, it was an exile. 
Maybe it's us just being deliberate about giving space and time and quiet. God, speak to me. I need to hear your voice. I want to respond to what you're saying and what you're doing. Would you guys stand with me this morning?